Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. As you pray for the victims of the Nashville school shooting, for the city of Nashville, for the parents of the victims, uh, keep the police officers uh, in mind. They saw things that no human being is equipped emotionally to see. Uh, The training uh, of these men and the way they executed their training um, is utterly amazing to me. Uh, Rex Engelbert and Michael Calazzo are the two police officers who are getting uh, the most credit for this. But let's not kid ourselves. There were way more than two in that school who ran to the danger and who neutralized the uh, mentally ill, murderous shooter uh, as quickly as possible. Nevertheless, a lot. I'm really struck by the fact that only six victims and I don't mean to minimize the tragedy of that, but in the 13 or 14 minutes that that shooter was in that school to only have six victims tells me that people in the school did a great job of protecting those kids and also tells me that God's hand was there um, keeping it from becoming as bad as it could have been. Rex Engelbert is a 27-year-old four-year veteran of the Nashville police force. He grew up on the northwest side of Chicago with three brothers and a sister. Good for him getting out of that hellhole. Uh, he was one of the first officers on the scene. You've seen his body cam footage. You hear him say on the body cam, it sounds like the shooter is upstairs. He and his team raced upstairs. And he was the first officer to peer around the corner to see the shooter standing there. He fired multiple shots and dropped her to the ground. Uh, Rex Engelbert's brother said in, to a television station in Chicago, as an older brother, I'm proud of him as I can be and as happy as I can be that he's okay. The selfish part of me, of course, initially thought, I hope my brother's not there. The practical part of me thinks and has confidence that if my brother's there, his training and his fortitude would take over. Uh, just prior to this shooting, Officer Engelbert received a a commendation uh, after he helped recover meth, fentanyl, a stolen handgun, and nearly two dozen stolen credit cards while arresting two dangerous felons in Nashville's Central Precinct. The other officer um, who is being lauded for his uh, service that day is 31-year-old Michael Calazzo. Check out this guy's resume. Marine Corps veteran former firefighter, former SWAT team paramedic, and Nashville police officer. You talk about a heart to serve your fellow man. How many different ways has Michael Colazzo served his fellow man? Uh, he is the father of a young girl. He moved in on the shooter after she was initially shot. She kept moving. She kept reaching for her gun. He fired and uh, put an end to that threat. 
Uh, here is a quote from Michael Calazzo's sister. He is obviously very brave, much braver than I ever imagined. He really does love his job. When I sit and think about all the training and all the different classes that he does and all the family events that he's had to miss because of his training or leaving to go through his training, it really does pay off. Yeah, our officers are highly trained. Uh, We've seen it play out here in Columbus with the rookie officer who um, saved a life, I will always believe, um, while ending the life of Micaiah Bryant, who was uh, an imminent threat amid the fight that ended her life. So um, cannot say enough about our law enforcement, about our first responders. And I hope that seeing this happen, this very real stark video, and you want to find the worst parts of it, you can find it. It's out there. Um, Some news organizations have blacked out certain parts of it because it's deemed uh, too intense for people to watch. But if you want to see it, you can, and you can see... um, real people doing real things amid real danger that completely obliterates the narrative that uh, cops are bad. Now, I do not know uh, this commentator. Today is the first time I've ever uh, heard anything from a woman named Sarah Gonzalez. Uh, She works for The Blaze, which is Glenn Beck's uh, entity. Uh, She is talking about the Nashville shooting, And she is not mincing words about the danger of the transgender movement and the double standard uh, applied to uh, the left side of the aisle in our country, uh, which is uh, manifested by Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and others. Uh, This is a long cut, but it's worth every second of you listening to it because it is 100% true. I want you to remember these names. Cynthia Peake. Catherine Coons, Mike Hill, Evelyn Dekaus, Hallie Scruggs, and William Kinney. Those last three names that I just read are three nine-year-olds who are never coming home. We'll never have another birthday party. Never laugh again. Never tell their parents, I love you. At least not until they're all reunited one day with our Heavenly Father, because six parents are now picking out caskets for their children. Why? Because society has decided to allow rampant mental illness and pretend that it's tolerance. The LGBT community, and really the left in general, have been ramping up to this, haven't they? It's something that we see every day. We talk about it on this program. Every day. They firebomb pregnancy clinics when they lose the right to kill children. They threaten the lives of Supreme Court justices and lawmakers. They casually suggest murder to deal with people they disagree with. They burn down cities when they don't get their way. They assault those who disagree with them in broad daylight with no worry of consequences whatsoever. These people have been telling on themselves for a while now. If you don't affirm their delusions, they want you dead. In just days, there will be a planned transgender day of vengeance in D.C. We want more, vi- more than visibility, they say in their flyer. More than visibility. Every day is trans day of vengeance, they say. Trans rights or else. They have a, a, a T-shirt that says trans rights or else with a bunch of guns on the T-shirt. These people think that they are immune to the rules of a civil society because for the most part, People have looked the other way. Ooh, don't want to be called intolerant. Affirm the delusion. Don't want to be called a bigot. Shoot them up full of hormones in an unprecedented way, which, by the way, can cause horrible side effects like mood swings and rage, but mm, don't want to be labeled a transphobe, so we better not. 
You have posts like this from the trans community saying, kill Christ cucks, behead Christ cucks, roundhouse kick a Christ cuck into the concrete, slam dunk a Christ cuck baby into the trash can, crucify filthy Christ cucks, defecate in a Christ cucks food, launch Christ cucks into the sun. Now this person is coddled, enabled, emboldened in society, affirmed, no repercussions, but don't worry. The FBI, I'm sure, has you on a domestic terrorist list for showing up at a freaking school board meeting. These people are mentally ill, and half of society refuses to treat the mental illness head-on, all while saying, you're the problem. You're a religious extremist if you don't believe in chopping children's breasts off. You're a far-right-wing nut job if you acknowledge basic biology. But it's not just mental illness. It is something so much further, deeper than that. As someone who has faced this issue head-on in the lion's den, who has stared these people in the eyes and seen the dead, decaying eyes staring back at me, this is, without a doubt, spiritual warfare. We are in the battle of good versus evil. Well, evil will be called good and good evil. Darkness will be called light and light will be called darkness. We're here, guys. We are here because there is nothing else to call the murder of innocent children but evil. And the left is so depraved, so soulless, so sick that when these mentally ill, demonically possessed creatures do something as heinous as kill three innocent children, murder them in cold blood, target these babies, what did they do? They did exactly what I told you they would do. It's your fault. If you just accepted trans ideology, these poor trans people wouldn't have to slaughter your children. No. Mm -mm. No. No. No, absolutely not. I know that was long, but it was, I thought, eloquent, powerful, and most importantly, true. Uh, we are at an inflection point. And again, the enemy is not people who are trapped in the trans ideology. It's the activists who would lure people into that ideology, who are so far gone that you can see the evil, the ones who post those hateful things that she talked about. Uh, you may always participate in the show uh, one of a couple of ways. Number one, you can send me an email, bruce at salemmedia.com, bruce at salemmedia.com. Number two, you can call the show after hours and leave me a message. I will get it, same number as during the show, which is the third way, 844-TALK-989, 844-TALK-989. And Alan, you said we have a gentleman from Newark. Yeah, George from Newark. George from Newark and someone else calling as well. Hello, George from Newark. Welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show. Hi, Bruce. We've spoken before. So I think it's important that we all call this mentally ill person by the preferred pronoun exactly the way that I said it <laughs> for the simple fact that we need to understand and make everybody understand that this is not a gun issue. It's not. A, it, it's a mental health issue. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. But the left will not allow that part of this conversation to take place, George. Because if they did, that, they'll say then then transgenderism is a mental illness, and they'll never agree to that. Yes, but they're also not calling him he, which is a preferred pronoun. Yeah, I know. Which would make them transphobic. Isn't that interesting? Why are they not using the preferred pronoun that this person would like to be called by? Uh, because I think they know inherently that... Um, the whole thing is nonsense. It's utter nonsense. It's all about a concerted effort to tear down every single institution, anything that has been part 
of America's past, anything that has been, you know, acknowledged as truth, they have to get rid of all truth because they want to get rid of the arbiter of all truth, which is God. And no better way to get rid of God than to, as I've said before, as Tucker Carlson has said in his last two monologues, which is to declare yourself God and demonstrate that by saying, I can control what my sex is. Even though I'm born a certain way, I, as God in my own life, can control my own sex. I agree with that, but I still disagree, and I think that we should call this mentally ill person by the preferred pronoun just because the left doesn't like it, firstly. And secondly, so that we can remind ourselves and everyone else that this is really a mental health issue. Well, I don't understand how calling this woman a he would offend the left. It wouldn't offend the left. Is that what you're saying? Well, not just calling the woman a he, calling her a mentally ill person whose preferred pronoun was he, him, in that way. Okay, well, I, I appreciate your call. I think we're on the same page, yes, but we're having, having trouble connecting. I appreciate you listening to the show and calling into the show. Uh, here's where this nonsense is headed, okay? Uh, Australia. Preview for the Australian version of 60 Minutes, where they will be talking with parents this week who are not calling their babies babies, They are calling their babies, are you ready for this? Babies. Because the child will be raised genderless until the child decides whether the child is male or female. Not kidding. Here it is. We didn't assign a gender at birth. I'm letting this little person be who they want to be. It is an experiment. What they're doing is unprecedented. On 60 Minutes. You can't tell what your gender is by looking at your body. What are some of the biggest challenges? Strangers in the street have had quite a strong response. Why are you so obsessed? Why do you need to know? We're not trying to eliminate gender. It's really helping kids find their own path to it. So why is this important that we have uh, a point of agreement on something as basic as sex? Because all consensus stems from a point of origin where you agree on something. You agree on something. If you're going to debate economic policy, you gotta you gotta agree on something. You gotta agree. We got a problem, we gotta fix it, we gotta reduce spending, we gotta be spend better, we got any problem, any problem, if you're gonna work it out with someone with whom you have a disagreement on how to fix it, you have to start from a point of agreement. The left wants to blow up every single point of agreement. And the most basic point of agreement is, are you a man or are you a woman? Now, that is, of course, a deranged position. And as I have said before, one of the problems with the left is that they are not only detached from reality, but they have the blessing of the most powerful institutions in our country. There is no more powerful institution in our country than the presidency. Um, The president yesterday was doing what the president often does. He was talking with people and he was expanding what is already quite the resume of, uh, well, of his wide ranging, uh, differing nationalistic background. 
Here's the latest part that you probably had not heard before, because I certainly had not. The nickname I got early on when I won by 3,200 votes and uh, for the Senate seat when I was 29 years old is because I started calling me Joe Bidenopolis because, oh, you think I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm not joking, am I? I'm not joking because of the overwhelming support from the Greek-American community. The nickname mm-hmm. I got early Joe Bidenopolis because of his uh, wide-ranging support from the Greek community. Uh, So to recap, Joe Biden is a devout Irish Catholic who was raised in the black church while immersed in the Puerto Rican community, who attended shul every Jewish Sabbath. As he dove deeply into and was completely mesmerized by Persian culture, all the while captivating the Greek American community. And we stand by for more uh, at his next uh, public availability. You know he's lying when he says, I'm not joking. No, he's not joking. He's lying. He is a serial, unrepentant liar because he is completely gripped by, owned by, and controlled by the darkest forces of evil in our world. He lies as freely as the rest of us breathe. And the worst part of that is that what keeps you from uttering the most ridiculous lie you could possibly think of? It is the cognitive awareness that other people will know you're lying and will have no respect for you and never take you seriously again. That is what keeps you from lying, aside from your own degree of personal virtue. But if you are inclined to lie, you frame your lies up to and including whatever guardrails are on those lies by the fact that you hope that you must have a degree of plausible belief from those within your hearing. Those guardrails do not exist with Joe Biden. They do not exist. How else could you say you are a devout Irish Catholic who grew up in the black church while going to shul every Sabbath, immersed in Persian culture, raised in the Puerto Rican community? I mean, just utterly absurd, inane, and pathetic. This is the leader of the free world. They have to tell him how to walk down a ramp and what mark to stand on. But he controls the levers of power. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.